it's never a question for me if I'm going to do something. If I want to do something, I'm, I'm going to do it. And uh, that's how I feel about everything I go about in life. So if I want to be at the highest level at Sports Center, and if I want to do a particular show, then I will reach out to whichever boss it might be and say, hey, this is what I'm going to do. Because what, what do we have to lose? If we wait to and just keep to ourselves what we want to do, then we're betting against ourselves from the very beginning. All right, welcome back or welcome to the Finding Mastery Podcast. I'm Michael Gervais. The idea behind these conversations is to learn from people who are on the path of mastery to better understand what they're searching for and to understand their psychological framework, which is how they see the world, how they see themselves in it, and how they understand their craft. And we want to dig to understand the mental skills that they've used to build and refine their craft. Finding Mastery is brought to you by Bubs Naturals. Like you, I am mindful about what I put into my body. So for me, it usually comes down to ingredients and simplicity. The shorter the list, the better. And that's why I've been loving Bubs Naturals. Bubs creates products with high quality, all natural ingredients that are designed to help us get after the adventures in life. For years, I've been a huge fan of their Hydrate or Die electrolyte mix. I mean, that's a fun title for a product, isn't it? It only has six total ingredients. It's packed with electrolytes. I love the taste. No added sugar, no artificial flavors, none of that stuff. It's great for post-workout recovery. That's when I use it. And I also use it during long periods of travel, which I've been doing a lot lately. And so thank you for the hydration here. And a ton of athletes that I know swear by them too. They're currently in just about every MLB locker room. They work closely with the Red Sox, the Yankees, I know the Rangers, Cardinals, Diamondbacks, and, and many more, of course. I'd love for you to go check them out. I think they're doing a really nice job. Just head to bubsnaturals.com slash findingmastery and enter the code findingmastery at checkout for 20% off your first purchase. Again, that's bubsnaturals, B-U-B-S naturals, dot com slash finding mastery with a code finding mastery for 20% off your first purchase. Finding mastery is brought to you by hymns. Hymns is changing men's healthcare by providing simple and convenient access to science informed treatments for erectile dysfunction, ED, hair loss, weight loss, and more health struggles like ED are common, but they can be hard to talk about when it comes to finding a solution. That's why Hims has been a game changer for so many men. The entire process is 100% online, and if prescribed, your medication ships directly to you for free and in discreet packaging. No waiting rooms, no pharmacy visits. Plus, you can manage your plan directly on the Hims app, track progress, and learn more about your conditions and how to treat them from leading medical experts. So, if you or a loved one has been struggling with ED, I really want to encourage you to go check out HIMSS. And I know ED often has a psychological component as well. So be sure that you're stacking some psychological best practices into your daily routine as well. Start your free online visit today at HIMSS.com slash Finding Mastery. That's HIMSS, H-I-M-S dot com slash Finding Mastery for your personalized treatment options. HIMSS.com slash Finding Mastery. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. 
See hymns.com slash EOF for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies based on product and subscription plan. Now, this conversation is with Lisa Kearney. Lisa is an anchor of the Evening and Night Editions of SportsCenter. And in this conversation, we learn what it's like to have a childhood dream and how, more importantly, it is to make decisions that map on to making that childhood dream come to life. When we see people who are doing what they've always wanted to do, they have much to teach us about what it takes to set a long-term vision and how to persevere through the ups and downs that come along that journey, and also how to fuel the passion that's required to play the long game. And Lisa has definitely played the long game. She's bet on herself, she's bet on her skills, and she's bet on her family structure to support and challenge her along the way. And what I wanted to learn from Lisa was how she seemingly has been able to juggle so many facets of her life, both family-wise and professional-wise. And while there's no silver bullet, there rarely is, she points to the importance of being able to go for big challenges. And we talk about what she means by that and how important it is for her to be really open to coaching and not just saying that, but being really open to getting better and to learning and to taking that feedback and how important it is to be fully locked in and present so that she can maximize the time she's with her loved ones and while she's at work as well. And what I loved about this conversation is that it's really clear for Lisa. And with that clarity, how the path going forward gets so much easier to recognize, not necessarily easier to travel that path, but easier to recognize the path that is right for each one of us. And so with that, let's jump right into this conversation with Lisa Kearney. Lisa, how are you? I'm well, Mike. How are you? <laughs> yeah, I'm doing great. And, you know, I'm just thinking as I asked that question is that it's one of those questions that we don't really ever answer. <laughs> you know, like, how are you? Well, if you really want to know, I'm... Right, Yeah. Right. Yeah, but so let's, like, for real, like, how are you? I mean, you know, I'm very well. Mm. I, I can say that I'm, I'm happy. No one ever says, hey, I'm happy. Um, yeah. I'm very happy. I'm very, um, I've found a space in my life as a mom, as a professional, as a friend, a sister, a daughter, um, a partner, best friend, my husband, who's amazing, um, that all, all of those worlds are seeming to collide, um, at a really awesome time. And I'm kind of riding the wave right now, Mike. So I am in fact, very well. And thank you for asking. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's okay. Cool answer. And then, <laughs> okay, so you're a couple years into being a regular studio anchor at ESPN, right? And I, and, mm-hmm. and how, how long has it been since, since you've been a regular anchor? Yeah, I just reached the three-year mark. So I um, uh, just literally uh, right at the three-year, three-year deal. Okay. And then when you say three-year deal, is that like literally the business? Is it a one year, two year, five year, like how do the contracts work at ESPN for folks that are um, on air? There are a number of different ways to go about it. Um, my contract I initially signed, I, I signed three years and then, you know, an, an extra year option for ESPN, which they um, recently picked up. And it was, it was a couple days before Christmas and I'm really good friends with, um, the the guy over at ESPN that does the contracts and all this stuff and so we text every every now and then and I, I get this like sticky you know the like FedEx sticky note on your front door that says you have an official package from ESPN and so I'm like really like 
I have to go all the way to the post office, get this package. It's official, you know, official documentation. And I go standing in line at Christmas time, you know, mm. a couple days before. So I'm standing in line forever and everyone's got all their packages and everything. And I step up there and they hand me this like tiny little letter. And I walk out and it's just, you know, the form letter saying, oh, we've, we're excited to let you know. We picked up your option. And I texted Rob, my friend, and I said, really, Rob? You had to put me through that? You couldn't just text me like a thumbs up emoji? Really? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Well, congrats. I'm, uh, yeah, congratulations. I'm very pleased. And yes, I'm, I'm blessed to be uh, uh, hanging on for another year. Mm, very cool. And so when you say hanging on, there's like <laughs> um, before that we jumped on this call, your travel from home to work is it's a significant commitment every day, right? It's like an hour plus it's, every day. It is. It's a, it's about an hour 20 every day, one way. One way. And, and for anyone that lives in the Northeast and specifically in the greater New York area, you know, that traffic is a crapshoot no matter what time of day it is. Um, I work only at night. So I do all sports runner at night shows. And so my commute is, uh, it can be anywhere from an hour 20 to, it, it's taken me over three hours before. Um, mm. I actually have posted that on Twitter. I'm like, I'd like to congratulate myself on an awesome three-hour commute to work today. Thank you, everybody, for accompanying me on the road. Literally, wow. everybody. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so, <laughs> everybody. Well, everybody. I mean, that's like, so people see Turn On Sports Center and they see you and they see you having a good time and asking good questions and giving commentary and at the epicenter of um, sport media and likely miss what it takes to get there and have some sense of idea that um, this is what I hear all the time. Oh, well, you know, she or he got lucky or he or she must have known somebody or he or she did something to you know, cheat their way to the top or there's like the overnight success, you know, there's lots of ways that people rationalize or think about people that are doing something that they love or are, have a public, um, what's, what am I saying? Like a public facing job. Mm -hmm. So can, can you pull back the curtain a little bit about your process to um, be one of the evening anchors at sports center? Sure. I mean, um, my journey has been a long one, a winding one. Um, you want me to take you all the way back to 2004, my first job? Yeah, we're, we're, um, we're probably going to go back to like, <laughs> you know, when you were 10 or 9 or 5 at some okay, point. But that's yeah. also significant. We yeah. can definitely go there. Okay, um, uh, just, just from a professional landscape, I mean, where I started, I started in Butte, Montana. Um, and the funny, the funny story about that because... I finished up um, my, my college education and I played basketball down at Lynn University in Boca Raton, Florida. And I had planned actually to go back and get um, my master's degree. I mean, I, I loved school down there. I, I wanted to be a grad assistant and just, I, I just wanted to keep learning and um, at the same time, really anxious and excited to break into the business because I knew that I wanted to be a sports anchor. And so um, when over did the that, summer. When did that happen for you? Um, when I was about. Five or six. Oh, so we do need to go back. Honest. Yeah, we do oh, need yeah. to go back. Okay, okay. Okay, keep yeah, going with so your story, and then, and then we'll, okay. we'll go back earlier. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, so so just starting after when I, when I graduated from college, I knew I always wanted to do sports, and as I just mentioned, I always just kind of organically felt that this was my path, and I'm very blessed that it worked for me. Um, 
So I sent out, so I applied to 10 different jobs on this website called tvjobs.com and I got two job offers and one of them being in Minnesota, one of them being in Butte, Montana. And I was on the, the phone with Phil Connecting, my news director, I'll never forget him. Um, and he's kind of describing the job and then, you know, everybody wants to know, right? Like, does this conversation end with the, the, like, the price tag, right? So I'm like, oh man, what does a job like this pay? And and then he says, so, so, you know, we pay you $18,500. And I was like, oh man. And like now people are probably going, oh geez, $18,500. But me, I was like, oh my gosh, that's money that I would make all by myself. And like without my parents, I'm so independent. And my dad asks me, you know, so how much are they going to pay you? And and I tell him, and he said, well, you told him no, right? And you know, my dad's thinking, you know, the education and, and go the route that can, can make you the most money and, and, you know, be highly successful in that regard. And I was like, no, I told him, this is great. Like, sign me up. Let's go. Um, it's all, all about fulfilling our passions, right? And, and what makes you happy is, is your day-to-day. And I, I knew that this is what something I wanted to take a stab at. And that was my opportunity. So I went to Butte, Montana. I was there for literally one year to the day. And there's a, a moment that I will never forget. First of all, I lived in low income housing and, um, that was an experience in and of itself in Butte, Montana, um, which is awesome that I qualified for it. But, um, I was at the grocery store and again, it's like, you know, I don't know anyone in the entire state. I'm, I'm completely on my own for the very first time. I'd always been a part of a team, basketball team, soccer team, you know, tennis track, whatever it is. I grew up, um, you know, big jock. And so here I am in the middle of nowhere. I don't know anybody and feeling my way around. I'm at the grocery store and I've got all the groceries going through and there's a bundle of grapes, green, big, perfect grapes. And she scans them. And I said, whoa, hang on a second. How, how much are those? She said, oh, $6. I was like, $6 for grapes? I can't afford that. <laughs> so I'm putting back $6 worth of grapes because at the time, like, there's no way I can afford that and eat, like, the rest of my dinner. You know, it was either grapes or, you know, the chicken that I was going to make that night. So um, that's certainly a... a, a lesson that has learned that has stuck with me okay. for a very long time okay so when people talk about like starting a long time ago and it was rough and you had to pay your dues like yeah. you, you understand it you know living in no low, low income housing having to put back grapes because <laughs> yeah. you couldn't afford them yeah. and yeah okay and then you left montana and then you mm-hmm. went to um seattle i think yes i okay. went um yeah, so from Butte, Montana, I went to Seattle, uh, the NBC affiliate there, King Five, and it was an amazing experience, full of incredible growth. Uh, when I got there, I was very, very green in a you know the thirteenth market in the country, and probably a lot of people looked at me and were like, "How in the heck? What is she doing here?" You know, and I'm and I'm I'm a go getter, and so I just hit the ground running and. Okay, let's let's pause right here for just a minute. Okay, so you're sorting it out and you have a one-year job. You're just getting your feet wet. You're not making much money. And then mm-hmm. you're thrust into the top – one of the top um, news areas or uh, markets in the world, 13, right? Uh-huh. And then did you – I'm going to say this phrase, imposter syndrome. Did you ever flirt with the idea that 
my God, they're going to find out that I don't know what I'm doing and it's just going to come crumbling? <laughs> or did you have another way to do it, which is, you know, there's a, a hundred different ways, but did you have something else that was like, you know what? I figure things out. Like, let's go. Yeah. So, um, in my internship, I actually learned something that has also stuck with me. I, I interned the summer of my junior year back in um, Kansas City, and I was at Metro Sports. And one of the anchors there told me, you know, just fake it till you make it. Like, no one knows if you're really good at faking it until you make it and you truly believe that you should be there, then the whole faking thing is going to dissolve and you're just there. You just gave yourself a head start. Okay. And so for me, that, that definitely applied with my job in Butte, Montana. When I, when I took the job there, they're asking, you know, can you shoot a camera? I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 I can shoot a camera and white balance and all that stuff. Absolutely. I know everything. Took the job and I'd never turned a camera on. Oh like I was God. like, oh, I got to go back. You know, so I'm like, absolutely, I can do this. And you know why I can do it? Because I'm going to learn how to do it before I get there. So I showed up and and knew knew how to work the camera and all that stuff and um, knew exactly what I was doing from that standpoint, but I had everything else to learn. My um, my friends at my internship taught me how to run the camera, and I, and I learned a lot about, about just the industry and the business itself. So when I got to Seattle, you know, to answer your question, um, did I feel like an imposter? No, I didn't. I felt like, man, I've got really good stuff, and here I am in the 13th you know, market in the country and I'm, I'm crushing it. And at the same time, you got to kind of step back and, and I never did this in this, in this short period of time. And I'm going to give you a story here in a second, like take a step back and assess with like the reality of your situation versus like the ideals of it in your head. So I was living in, in the ideals in my head and I'm like, this is awesome. You know, I've got an awesome job at this huge company and this is, NBC and here I am and and then I get this call from the news director that hired me Pat Costello who I'm very close with to, to this day and he calls me into his office and he's an imposing man first of all and uh he sits me down and he says so what do you think about Spokane and I'm thinking uh what do you mean like have I ever been there or like what do I know about it? I don't know anything. The only thing I know is, and this is all processing very quickly in my head, the only thing I know is we have a sister station in Spokane. And I was like, oh, you mean like, what about what do I think about me going to Spokane? Like a huge demotion to send oh. me like back to the D-League mm. to learn a little bit, you know, polish my stuff and then come back. And I was like, Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I no, that's actually not going to work for me. And I will get better. And I swear it to this day, you will never have to have this conversation with me again. And it was a huge, again, like, like another moment that I'll never forget. I'll never forget how I felt in that moment. And it just it launched me really, because from that second on, I, I learned like, it's okay to reach out to your colleagues and say, Hey, would you check out my stuff and just tell me what you think and how can I get better? And, and from that moment, Mike, I have consistently, sometimes every day, every week with my colleagues, even now I'll ask them like, Hey, how did you think that went? Or 
how could I have gone about this question in this interview better? Or let's watch these highlights back. Oh, that was really bad. <laughs> you know, like, like just, just to be open with myself so that I can welcome improvement and, and that criticism to get better. You know, do you find that that's easy for you or is that challenging? And I want to tell you a funny little story before you answer it is that, um, I was watching some sort of highlights on, it was an NFL highlight reel, and it was a mic'd up edition where they had a microphone on one of the players, and he walks over, or the referee walks over to him and says, um, hey man, you got to keep your hands off the guy, like you're, you're all over him. And the athlete like kind of jumped at the ref, because he's animated and he's competing, and he's like, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not doing that, that's, that's not what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And the ref goes, seriously, you got to keep your hands off the guy. And he goes, oh, man, I'm so defensive. I get defensive. I'm so sorry. I get defensive <laughs> so early, so quickly. And so it was like this nice little moment where the athlete jumped in to be defensive and then had this meta awareness that, oh, man, there's my defensiveness thing. You're right. You're right. I got to get – I'm going to do better. And so I'm wondering, like, in that story for you, is it mm-hmm. that easy for you that immediately you say, oh, okay, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get better? Or do you, do you have some sort of internal argument about, no, 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 I'm good. And the reason I'm asking you is because people that are exceptional, they tend to be open to learning and they believe that they're great. And those mm-hmm. two ideas are hard to work together. And mm-hmm. that's a really long story and question for me to try to understand how you've balanced those two concepts. Yeah, that's a fair question. And I, and those are two, two that certainly rival each other. Um, so to live at peace, um, I will honestly tell you, I'm more of an apologist and can step back and say like, you know what, that's totally my bad. And I want to learn from that moment. And I'm not even just saying that. Like, I really, someone just asked me literally two days ago, uh, you know, what's the next step for you? You're at ESPN. And, you know, what's the next step? I was like, I don't, I don't have a step planned out. For me, every moment on TV is an opportunity for me to just get better. I want my, my, Pelicans highlight that I just did a second ago to, I want that to exist as it did. And I want it to be better now with my Bulls highlight and with my Cavs highlight that I'm doing next, I want it to be better than my Bulls highlight. And I want, I want to, in, you know, Pete Carroll talks about this a lot. He talks about living in the moment and being very present. And that's, that is, that is exactly what we do in our industry and in his too. I mean, it's frenetic all the time mm-hmm. and you have to live in that particular moment. And for me, I just want, I want to get better from moment to moment to moment. And, and that really is my plan is to just continue to get better. So to answer your question in kind of a roundabout way, like I am always coachable and I, and I kind of, when I first got to ESPN, I told everybody that everybody I reached out to, was like, I want to make, I want to be a part of, you know, sports center being great. I want to, I want to not only just, you know, anchor sports center, but I want to help in an innovative process to make it better and better and better. And to do that, I want you all to know I'm coachable. So with me being one of the faces of what sports center represents and what we are, come to me with anything you have, any thoughts you have, shoot me an email or just say, Hey Lisa, you know, like 
let's not do that again. I'll be like, you know what? You're right. <laughs> so uh, I'm totally like, I am confident enough in myself to step back and be like, you know what? I'm not the best thing out there. I just am always trying to be. Finding Mastery is brought to you by Apollo Neuro. I am really excited about what Apollo Neuro is building. If you haven't had the chance yet, I highly recommend that you go check out the conversation I had with our co-founder, Dr. David Rabin, on the podcast. It is well worth a listen. Unlike traditional wearables that simply track your biometrics, Apollo's doing it totally differently. Apollo Neuro is designed to actively improve your health by enhancing sleep, relaxation, energy, and focus. So how's it work? Developed by neuroscientists and physicians, Apollo delivers these soothing little vibrations. They call them Apollo vibes that are like music your body can feel. More rapid vibrations help to improve your energy and focus, while the slower vibrations help to promote rest and digest in your body. And the best part for me, they're grounded in good science. Apollo has been tested by thousands of users in clinical and real-world trials. I would love for you to give it a go. It's making a meaningful difference in my life. And because you're listening to this podcast, you can receive an exclusive 15% off an Apollo wearable. Just head to apolloneuro.com slash findingmastery and use the code findingmastery at checkout. This is an exclusive offer. It's only for us here at Finding Mastery. So be sure to use the code at checkout. Again, that's Apollo, A-P-O-L-L-O, Apollo Neuro, N-E-U-R-O, apolloneuro.com slash findingmastery or use the code findingmastery at checkout or 15% off your purchase. Finding Mastery is brought to you by Cured. If there's one big rock to get into the container when it comes to dialing in your wellness, one thing that stands out among the rest is sleep. Whether it be improved physical health, mental health, performance, creativity, quality sleep is the gift that keeps on giving. And I'm sure many of you are familiar with the science that supports that. And if you're struggling with sleep or you just want to dial it in a bit further, Cured's Zen formula it just might be a great solution for you. Zen is a nootropic that is formulated by Cure's very own in-house clinical herbalist. And it contains a blend of reishi mushroom, ashwagandha, chamomile, passionflower, and broad-spectrum CBD. That is a powerhouse combination. Zen could be a great little addition to your bedtime routine. They recommend taking it about 45 minutes before hopping into bed to let the reishi and ashwagandha and chamomile and the CBD do their thing. So right now, because you're listening to this podcast, Cured is hooking you up with a great offer. You can try Zen for 20% off when you visit curednutrition.com slash findingmastery and you use the code findingmastery at checkout. That's Cured, C-U-R-E-D, Cured nutrition.com slash finding mastery and enter the code finding mastery at checkout to save 20%. I really do want to know what it was like as a, as a family unit. Those experiences are so fundamental to our psychological framework as adults. If we don't have that context, we miss who, who you really are working on becoming. So yeah, take us back. Okay. So I'm, I'm the middle child in a family of five kids. I have two older sisters, younger sister, younger brother, and all of us played sports. I come from 
two parents that are uh, great athletes and also incredibly hard workers um, and also incredibly competitive. <laughs> and so our family unit just, I think we existed in this like elevated atmosphere of constant competition. So, you know, growing up, um, I, I played basketball, I played soccer and, and I played uh, AAU basketball and I played premier soccer and, um, and all, uh, we just played outside all day long, all the time. I mean, we never played video games. We, re- you know, we rarely watched movies. Like I've, I'm probably like the worst when it comes to, have you seen this movie? I'm like, no, I was outside like running around. Like I didn't ever have time. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, so so we all five of us kids were pretty close in age and we would growing up we loved to like get the family like video video to you know the camcorder and we would do like mo- like videos and stuff and looking back on these videos literally when I'm like 6 7 8 10 12 years old um, I am the person interviewing in the video every single time like I'm always the interviewer I always have a hairbrush or a popsicle and we're like pretending to do these interviews and these like sit down like you know Phil Donahue type <laughs> type talk shows and like I'm always hosting these different things and uh, a lot of the time we were we were making up different sporting events and I was interviewing quote the the athletes as they came off the field and it was like my sister coming off the driveway and we're just pretending and and um, you know I came came up with. ESPN and Sports Center, and when people would ask me seriously back when I'm six, seven, eight years old, like what I wanted to be when I grew up, I expect the traditional answer of you know a doctor or a you know a lawyer or something like that, and I would tell them I I want to be on ESPN. I'm gonna go to ESPN, and I was just so like matter of fact about it that I I never remember not saying that, and I feel like it's been this organic um process and competitive nature has been like intrinsic almost and in the way that I that I have have been was brought up in the way that I went about my life and is just always there um I didn't mean intrinsic I meant innate um and that I was just born with it that's a phenomenal story that you knew from such a young age. And then I've got a, a, a question about this experience in just a moment mm-hmm. like what you and I are doing. But before we go there, what what, what, um, jeez, oh I just lost my thought. <laughs> oh my God. You should try doing that on the air live. Uh, has that happened? Has, has that happened to you? Oh yeah. No, no, no. What do you do? Oh, I was in a, uh, so many women out there know when you're pregnant, you have this thing called pregnancy brain <laughs> and it is so real. Um, it's so real. So I'm, doing an interview with Steve Young and we're in a double box, which is, you know, I'm in one studio and he's at his house and we're talking to each other through the camera and the viewer at home can see us in two boxes. That's called a double box in TV. And so I'm asking him, um, you know, about Chip Kelly. And I was like, you know, what is it about, you know, he's, he's a very, Oh, um, and I was stuck. Mike, like could not, I could not for the life of me think of the word competitor, competitive. Uh, mm. And I was like, you know, he likes to win a lot. And I just, uh, you know, Chip, he really likes to win a lot. And I'm like, I, I mean, it was like 
<laughs> here on Sports Center could not think of the word competitive. I'm like, wow, this is a moment to embrace and laugh about later. <laughs> and so, like, okay, I remember what I was going to ask you, but let's stay on this speed for a minute. What, what did you do? Did like, what did your body do? What did your mind do? What did you do in that moment? So I just answered your question about where confidence comes from. Mm-hmm. Experience. I've, I've had a lot of years in television. And so in that moment, um, kind of just took a beat and was like, well, that word's not coming. So I'll just try to backdoor it with a, like a long explanation of the word I'm looking for. And so, yeah, I just kind of said, you know, like, likes to win a lot. And I felt the freeze moment. I felt the freeze moment where it's like, mm, this word is not coming. Oh, God. I, I, I so know what you're talking about. And, and okay, so let's do some uh, some biology stuff really quickly. You know, anatomy, uh-huh. is it fight, flight, freeze, or submission? Those are like the typical responses to a threat yeah. response. Fight, yeah. like, okay, I, I'm going to keep – freeze is like, I don't know what to do. Yeah. Um, flee is like, okay, I got to get out of the box. I'll take this mic okay. off of me. And then okay. submission is like just to roll over and allow whatever's going to happen to happen. Oh, it's total submission. So you <laughs> totally like, dude, you know what? Please, Steve, save me here because you know what I'm trying to ask you. Just go. Just start talking. <laughs> okay. Then, then, then after the mic, after that little red dot turned off and mm-hmm. you were taking your mic off and did you know that other people knew that you struggled or what was that experience like? Well, maybe you know, your listeners and our viewers at home don't know is we have what's called an IFB in our ear at all times. So we're hearing conversations. We're hearing people in our head throughout the entire show. Sometimes when it's while we're talking and while we're delivering a highlight or doing an interview, we also at the same time simultaneously have someone speaking into our ear. Um, so you're never like actually on an island out there by yourself in the studio. There are other people in the studio and then always, again, people in a control room. There are about mm, probably 15 people or so in the control room. You've got your producer that's talking to you, the director talking to you, the um, coordinating producer talking to you. So you've got a ton of different voices. And so in that moment, I just, you know, we, we go to commercial break. The red light turns off, as you say, and I just start laughing and I was like, again, and I told you, and this is so real, I own my moments. And I was like, dudes, so sorry about that. Mm, mm. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, pregnancy brain happened and that is what it was. And we move on because live TV is like, you got to get ready for the next moment. You got to keep going. Okay. And then, so the idea, so you're hitting on that idea of being present as well, like owning it, mm-hmm. being authentic and, and. Um, being vulnerable in that process. And you described a lot of internal noise and distraction, literally somebody talking while you're talking in your own head, like hearing that voice. What do you do to prepare yourself to be more present? Is there any way that you train your mind to be more present? Or are there activities that you do? How do you develop that skill? Um, You know, we've talked so much about like the professional side, but I think my kids are like I, I need to thank them for being like my coaches and training and being present because the the moments we we know with our kids, like they're so fleeting, right? I have a five-year-old, a three-year-old and 19-month-old twins. And my five-year-old, I swear, is already like 13. I'm like, 
where did this attitude come from? Or where, when did we start doing this? And it's like, you know, they grow up in front of your eyes so quickly. And so I, I, I think I, as well as, you know, a lot of us are, are so guilty sometimes of trying to like half give your attention to your kids while also half holding the phone in your hand and scrolling through emails or, you know, trying to read, we get research emails constantly all day long. And I'm very much like a statistics, like numbers nerd, like everybody at work knows that I love stats and I'll just walk by and like, like yell stats at me. I'll be like, I know I saw that one. It's amazing. Like I love numbers. And so we get these research emails. And so I've got like, you know, I'm good friends with the research, research department. So I know that these like gems are sitting in my email box and I can't wait to dig in on, you know, the statistics and the analytics from the night before and what, you know, the game's coming up tonight or, you know, in the next couple days, like different storylines linked to statistical figures that we're putting out. So, um, knowing that that's there and also knowing that I have these precious moments with my kids and that I'm a full-time working mom and I only, you know, my time here with them is their time. And so that has been a constant exercise since my kids were born of just really constantly trying to be better and better and better and maintaining mindfulness and peace and presence in, in the moment with kids that, you know, it can be, incredibly stressful moments a lot of times, but always, you know, love, just, just the overall picture is, is just full of love and just living that to the fullest is, is a constant exercise. So it's not like something that I've achieved, you know, a hundred percent, but I'm just always striving to, to be in that present moment. Yeah, I, I love that. Like the idea, there's an idea that meditation and mindfulness training will help us be more present. And it's the training part of it. And there's there's lots of other ways to train to be present as well. But that certainly has a lot of good science and, you know, 2,500 years of history of, you know, the traditions of meditation practices. And then there's a, there's a counter argument to that as well, which is, well, what if you did 1,000 minutes a day or seconds a day spread out? And those seconds, you were completely mindful. And what if you did, you know, 500 two seconds stitched together. And it sounds like, and that that's like an endurance, an endurance approach or an exercise that you were talking about, like the exercise of being present is that you've got some triggers, your kids or, or opening up an email where it forces you to be all in. And mm-hmm. do you take more of that latter approach, which is the thousand time a day being present? Or do you sit and do tradi- more traditional mindfulness or meditation work? My, mindfulness meditation work is in the moment that demands it mm-hmm. that requires it that i'm that i am actively working to just only be engaged with my 5 year old or whether or my 3 year old or the twins or just all of them together and just not thinking about you know what i'm going to make for dinner later or which babysitter I've got lined up and making sure that that nanny schedule is coordinated so I can go to work. And then my husband isn't left without any help here. You know, it, it, there's so many moving parts in everybody's life and there's so many different distractions. And I think especially now, Mike, when you think about you're constantly sorting through just waves of information, whether it be, you know, on your cell phone that's like tied to us, right? Like we've got 
Twitter and Instagram and Snapchat. You know, SportsCenter app is is literally like sending me notifications every three minutes. And you know, like you you like unless you just throw your phone away for a while and really just actively focus and and be mindful as we talk about being mindful that that this moment is what it should be and that you are keeping your mind there and focused. Um, it's just, it's just a constant exercise and it's not like anything that I'm stepping away doing any like processing to try and help myself be better at that. I'm just trying to build upon that exercise every day. It's really cool. It's a really cool way of, of a phrase, you know, like constant exercise. Now, Lisa, how do you do it? How are you a, you know, just kicking ass professionally um, and having all of the mother responsibilities that seem, I don't know, like the social pressures to be a mom are very different than the social pressures to be a dad. Not that they're more important, less important or any of that, but like, how are you doing it? Well, I think first of all, you have to accept those social pressures and know that they exist and then take a step away from that and be like, all right, well, you got to know what's comfortable and right for your own family and between you and your husband and the partnership and the teamwork that you have and the way that you decide to run your own family and not worry about, you know, the mom's cocktail party on Tuesday night that you're not going to go to, to talk about, you know, who's doing great at soccer or who's in the most, you know, dance classes or taking Mandarin, you know, like I am so 100,000% comfortable and confident in what we're doing with our family. And my number one job is mom. And I, I will never waver from that. And my family comes first and my husband comes first, all my kids. And if they ever need me at the drop of a hat, I'm here. And knowing that that is never a question and that's never um, something that's going to be trumped makes it really kind of easy, you know, so then you deduce from there. So make sure that family's taken care of. And, um, and I will take this second to talk about my husband for just a moment, who is the only reason, um, you, you so nicely, you know, talked about my professional life and, um, getting the opportunity to really, um, exercise my passion at the highest level with ESPN. It's it's a blessed opportunity, but one that I'm only able to to take advantage of because of my husband. Like Patrick is the most amazing amazing father and supportive husband, partner, best friend, everything in the world. And when I married him, I knew I loved him to death, and like he, you know, we were have this wonderful life ahead of us. But I never imagined that he would be the father that he is, and his favorite moments in the day are with with our kids. And he works from home and um, flies out uh, for meetings and, and different things as needed. He's, as I mentioned to you before we started, uh, he, after he retired from football, he played 11 years, um, very successful years, eight years in Atlanta, three years in Seattle, uh, two-time All-Pro, and, and he reached a point after 11 years, and he he realized that he could not train, his body physically couldn't train uh, at high enough level to maintain the level of performance that he had his entire career. So uh, he decided to hang it up and, and he went to get his MBA at Columbia. So that's um, Columbia and New York city that brought us to the East coast. So 
here we are over here and now he is working from home, as I mentioned, and working directly with NFL clientele. And um, he's an asset manager that works for NFC Investments, which is the company that um, we've worked with for a long time. And uh, so he flies around and, and gives um, financial literacy like presentations to um, different NFL teams and also individually with NFL clientele. And it's a it's a passion project for him. And he is he I tell him I tell him you'll laugh because um, I tell him all the time like man how did you end up with me you're like you are way too smart for me <laughs> um, he he's uh, incredibly well read he's very passionate and he just he's a smart cookie so he's trying to help guys hang on to their money a little better and uh, he's he's kicking ass yeah thanks for bringing that full circle because it allows me to pull on a couple different ideas which is I still go back to that question super you are super successful as a professional have your heart placed squarely in the home your mm-hmm. husband was a pro bowler you know in two time mm-hmm. pro bowler in the NFL played at the highest level then was part of the 1% that was recognized as a pro bowler and then successfully made a transition from professional sports into business where i, I think i know you guys know the number Greater than 80% of NFL athletes when they retire are broke, divorce, or both within two years. Mm-hmm. So what? I know there's no secret sauce. I'm not looking for that. I'm looking to better understand the thoughts that guide you as a, a woman and guide you as a, a contributing member of the family and a, as a professional. Like what, what have you come to learn and realize that are so organic that you – well, at one time said them over and over again, or you still do? Like, what are those thoughts that guide you on a regular basis? That's a very good question. Um, at my core, I am, as we mentioned, very competitive, but I'm also very genuine, authentic, and very loving. Like, I, you asked me about my kids, and I light up to the moon like my kids are my everything and where do you feel that in your body everywhere I hug my kids with everything I have every single time there's never one time that there's never one opportunity to hug them or kiss their faces that is ever taken for granted and I actually have a story about that Um, and I think this might help you understand a little bit about the way I, about my competitive nature, maybe. So, um, I mentioned that I played soccer and back in high school, I was uh, a sophomore in high school. I was playing on the varsity team and our varsity soccer team went to a tournament. Uh, I was in Kansas city. We went to a tournament in St. Louis and on the way back, our team van actually got into a really bad car accident on the highway. And we, our team van, we were going from one highway up an on-ramp, and when we got to the top of the ramp, it was raining that day, and we spun out, flipped back down the hill, back down the embankment to the, the highway we were on previously, and so we just rolled all the way down, and um, I was thrown out, a couple of my other teammates were thrown out, and it was it was a really, really bad scenario. So I was a sophomore in high school, I was thrown out, um, I broke my back in the accident, I was unconscious for a long time and you know other details that I can spare you but when I was in the hospital and and we were talking to doctors and I actually don't remember 
you know, like being in that moment, speaking to the doctors, but I just kind of like have this like vague memory about that whole process and how it went. Um, I don't remember the accident itself. I just pieced together different things from pictures and stories that were told to me. And in the, in the hospital afterwards, you know, I've got this broken back and you know, crushed vertebrae and they're taking bone from my hip to fuse around my spine. I've got all this metal back there. And the doctor's saying, you know, like, we're, we're, we're pretty confident she can walk again. Um, you know, mm. we'll, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to see how this goes, but we're, we're pretty confident. And that wasn't, that wasn't my question, Mike. My, my question wasn't, am I going to walk again? My question was, when am I going to play basketball again? Like that's, the walking thing is not a question that's, that's going to happen. And so the way the story goes is, is, you know, a few weeks later then I do in fact get out of the hospital bed and I'm on the walker and I start walking and, and I, for anyone out there and, and, you know, God forbid anyone has been through this experience, but learning to actually physically walk all over again and actually remembering what your body feels like to to not be able to respond to something your mind just did on its own, you know, you did it on its own. Like, well, this is, this was a process that, that was incredibly challenging from the very beginning, but never, ever, ever once did I waver on my plan to play basketball again. And, um, from that point forward, my, my path changed a little bit because I was playing AAU basketball and being recruited at the time by, Kansas State and Kansas and Harvard and, you know, different division one programs that were, um, you know, elite at the time. And, and in my mind, like, yes, this is, this is where I'm going. And, and Texas was on my list. I really love Texas and the big 12 and, um, love Jody Conrad down in that program. I loved everything about it. And when you break your back and you're a sophomore in high school and these college coaches here are like, Oh no, your recruit, she broke her back. Like that kind of changes their rec- recruiting plans a little bit. So I did in fact go on to play division two basketball, um, on scholarship. And, and again, like just telling that story is, is to help you understand, like it's, it's never a question for me if I'm going to do something, if I want to do something, I'm, I'm going to do it. And, uh, that's how I feel about everything I go about in life. So if I want to, be at the highest level at sports center. And if I want to do a particular show, then I will reach out to whichever boss it might be and say, Hey, this is what I'm going to do. Cause what, what do we have to lose? If we wait to, and just keep to ourselves what we want to do, then, you know, we're, we're betting against ourselves from the very beginning. Finding mastery is brought to you by AG one. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know what a big supporter I am of AG one. And it's almost been for a decade now. So I love what they're doing. I, it's something I drink just about every day. And part of their marketing slogan is that it's a nutritional insurance program. And like, I just, I love that. That's the way it feels for me. And that's because each serving of AG1 delivers a dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics, and so much more. It is a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. I like to take it first thing in the morning which is also recommended for optimal nutrient absorption. So what I do is I just fill up my shaker, add some cold water, a scoop of AG1, and a little squeeze of lemon. I shake it up, and I'm ready to go. Or if I'm in a rush or you know I'm, I'm ripping and running on the road, I just grab an AG1 travel pack to take with me. 
feel great after drinking it. Not only because of the nutritional insurance idea, but there's just a there's a sustenance that happens when I drink it. And I love recommending it to friends and family because I know AG1 is formulated with science-informed rigor and the highest quality in mind. AG1 is a supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily. And that's why I've loved partnering with them for so long. If you want to take ownership of your health, I want to encourage you to give AG1 a try and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and also get five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash findingmastery. Again, that's drinkag1.com slash findingmastery. Finding Mastery is brought to you by AquaTrue. We all know how important hydration is to performance and recovery and well-being, but it's not just about how much you drink. The quality of your water plays a big role. And if you're like me and you don't fully trust tap water, and I think for good reason, research by the Environmental Working Group has shown that three out of four homes in the U.S. have harmful contaminants in tap water. That's why I'm really excited to introduce AquaTrue. Their purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters. It's incredible. I can literally taste the difference in my water. Plus, the filters are affordable and long-lasting. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That adds up to less than three cents per bottle. It feels great to know that all at once, I'm saving money, getting the highest quality water for the Finding Mastery team, and helping make a positive impact on the environment by eliminating single-use plastics all the way around. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and it even makes a great gift. And right now, because you're a Finding Mastery listener, you receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. So just go to AquaTrue.com. You spell it A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code FINDINGMASTERY at checkout. Again, that's AquaTrue.com. Enter the Finding Mastery code at checkout to receive 20% off any purifier that you buy there. Okay, so I'm going to get down into the weeds a little bit. When, but when something doesn't go the way according to plan, that you've prepared, you've worked, and it's not going that way. And we can use the car example, uh, a car crash example, as, as a marker in a story. How do you explain events to yourself? Is that internal versus external, meaning that that was my bad? Mm-hmm. Or is it external, like, listen, some, somebody, somebody did something stupid and it's just things outside of me. I can't control that. Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think it's cir- certainly, certainly circumstance. I've, tr- I've tried, honestly, and this is, like it's on, it's an ongoing thing, right? Where we continue to just always try to be a better version of ourselves. So if it, if it's a moment where like, so, you know, like there's road rage or something and like, you know, I'm trying to get in somewhere and you you can look at it both ways. It's like, like, come on, man. I'm like right here. Like, let me get in. Or, you know, did I, did I assert that like uncomfortable moment? You know, is it, is it that it's like my fault or, or his fault or, you know, what I, I really, especially for whatever reason lately in the last year, I don't know, um, really tried to take like kind of more of like deep breaths 
deep breaths approaches to, to high intensity situations. Um, and just maintain like equilibrium. I've really tried to do that. Are you a rule follower or risk taker? I would say I would skew more towards rule follower, but I do like to take risks. Uh-huh. Because really, if you don't take risks, I feel like you're not going to grow. You're not going to find out if you can push those limits and if that's a positive thing or if the response is negative, then you know you grow from that. Okay. So as we're nearing kind of the end of our time together here, is there a word that cuts to the center of who you are? Hmm. Poised. And is there a word that cuts to the center of what you understand most? Love. And what you do the best? Be a mother. Mm. (laughs) That's awesome. Okay. And then, so here's some quick hits. You can take your time and water them and, or like, or just kind of, you know, just announce them. Street smart or analytical? Hmm. Did you say I can say both? Yeah, or certainly. One so or like, the other? What, what is your well, like? What are you better at? Are you more street savvy, and you get the lay of the land in, in different you know rooms what? or yes. environments? Yeah. I'm, I'm street savvy. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. And then, do you prefer slow paced environments or fast paced environments? Fast paced, no doubt. Okay. And then, do you have a high need for control? Yes. Do you? Okay. And then do you feel as though you place your effort in things that are in your control or do you place most of your effort in things that you can't fully control, but you want to get right? Uh, let me soften control with the preference to lead. <laughs> I yeah, like no, to yeah. be a leader. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, and, and, and I'm sorry, ask me that, that follow-up question one more time. No, 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 that's good. That's totally good. <laughs> uh, so this is towards yourself. Are you more critical or more positive? I, again, I've, I, I have my entire life been way more critical on myself than I have been positive, way more. So I'm trying to, again, for whatever reason, over the last year or so, really balance those scales a lot better and pat myself on the back more frequently. And uh, I think it has a lot to do with having had children too, because as every woman who's had children out there knows, when you have children, you're, the way you look at your body is differently. Your body itself is different. And you're accepting stretch marks and soft spots and you're embracing them with love because what those, you know, scars or for lack of a better term have given you, you know, the, a greater love than your heart's ever known. Um, so since I've had kids, I've, I have, I've learned to be a, a bit kinder to myself. Mm-mm-mm. Okay. And then optimism or pessimism, do you, how you look at the future? Optimism always. Okay. Yeah. I think you said that earlier. And then do you make fast decisions or take your time? I try to pull myself back a little bit. Patrick's a really good balance for me, a very good balance for me when it comes to that because I have a tendency to get like really excited about stuff, um, whatever it might be. So he, you know, is the one that always 
is like the grounding force that asks like all the pertinent questions that really I should be asking myself. Um, so I typically have a quick trigger and he has saved us from <laughs> me buying like the world and saying like, Oh babe, no. Yeah. I just, uh, I just rented us this house in China. What? <laughs> you know, like, for lack of a better example, it's just, uh, yeah, he, I, I tend to have a, a quick trigger. I get very excited very quickly and he is, um, a very good stabilizing force for me. Okay. Where does pressure come from? Myself. Mm. And it all comes down to my family. And then how do you define or articulate mastery? this concept of mastery? Yeah, I've done a lot of thinking about that given that our conversation was uh, forthcoming. You know, mastery in its definition is kind of like you've reached the end, right? Like this is, we, we have mastered it and, and this is the best it's ever going to get. But for me, mastery is more of a constant exercise of execution at the highest level consistently you know it's more of a journey not an end point as for me being a competitive mind a competitive spirit ideals of mastery continually elevate as you excel so when you feel like you've mastered something you really just open the next chapter because mastery then takes on a whole dif different definition mm. it's like a perfect game right yeah, it's never it actually perfect there's yeah. a great deal of quality fulfillment in that accomplishment, but likely, you know, a batter still made contact or the release point on your 47th pitch of your game wasn't exactly where you wanted it. So while the rest of the world is celebrating a perfect game, you yourself as the artist of that is probably still picking at yourself going, you know, I really could have made that perfect game more perfect. Okay, so I'm, uh, on social media after we're, we're done with this, I, I want, because you're right at the epicenter of seeing so much phenomenal sport taking place, um, mm -hmm. I'm gonna, I want to challenge you, and we'll do it on social media if you're into it, is like the next time you see a moment of mastery, let's, mm -hmm. let's, let's call it out. And then you can give me some direction and all of us listening, like where that moment of mastery that you saw, you know, publicly, of course, but mm -hmm. um, if, if you're into it, I'd love to do that with you. Yeah, give me a hashtag, Mike. I'm yeah. all over it. Okay, we'll do it. All right, cool. All right, so um, where can we find out more about you? Like where can people get connected to you, social media and other ways? Sure. So I am uh, – you can see me most every night on SportsCenter, SportsCenter at night, um, late night, stay up late. It's where it's, it's, where it's hopping. Um, and then on social media, on Twitter, uh, Lisa, at Lisa Kearney, E-S-P-N, L-I-S-A-K-E-R-N-E-Y, E-S-P-N. And same handle um, on Instagram, at Lisa Kearney, E-S-P-N. Lisa, you know, thank you for walking us through your journey and how you think about life and people and your efforts and talking about the challenges you've been through. So thank you for your time. Thank you for your insight. And it's been a gift uh, for me to have this conversation with you. So really appreciate it. The gift is all mine. The pleasure all mine, Mike. I really appreciate your interest. And um, I wish you the best. We'll keep in touch. Okay. All the best. Take care. All right. Thanks, Mike. Okay. Bye. Bye.
Thank you so much for diving into another episode of Finding Mastery with us. Our team loves creating this podcast and sharing these conversations with you. We really appreciate you being part of this community. And if you're enjoying the show, the easiest no-cost way to support is to hit the subscribe or follow button wherever you're listening. Also, if you haven't already, please consider dropping us a review on Apple or Spotify. We are incredibly grateful for the support and feedback. If you're looking for even more insights, we have a newsletter we send out every Wednesday. Punch over to findingmastery.com slash newsletter to sign up. This show wouldn't be possible without our sponsors, and we take our recommendations seriously. And the team is very thoughtful about making sure we love and endorse every product you hear on the show. If you want to check out any of our sponsor offers you heard about in this episode, you can find those deals at findingmastery.com slash sponsors. And remember, no one does it alone. The door here at Finding Mastery is always open to those looking to explore the edges and the reaches of their potential so that they can help others do the same. So join our community, share your favorite episode with a friend, and let us know how we can continue to show up for you. Lastly, as a quick reminder, information in this podcast and from any material on the Finding Mastery website and social channels is for information purposes only. If you're looking for meaningful support, which we all need, one of the best things you can do is to talk to a licensed professional. So seek assistance from your healthcare providers. Again, a sincere thank you for listening. Until next episode, be well, think well, and keep exploring.